Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C-Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 48 of Gear Not Just the Podcast Quarantine Edition Adjunct Series. This evening, we are talking with a brewery that I have uh, never actually been to, which is not, uh, I don't know why, it's one of those things, you know how like, you know, you go to places all the time and sometimes you just miss something and there's no real reason why not. I'm trying to do my best to make up for it uh, this evening. Mate, I'm going to bring him right on in. We have Callum from Halo Brewery in Toronto. There he is. Welcome, bro. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. Good, good, good. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out. This is great. Um, man, been been yeah, wanting to. Thanks for uh, having me. Genuine, genuine <laughs> pleasure, man. Like I was saying, I, for whatever, you know, you know what I'm like, it's super weird to me. Every time I tell people I haven't been to Halo, they're like, what? People always can't believe it. I'm Neither can I, to be honest. There's not much of an excuse, but every time I go to Bar Hop or, or Verst or any of those places and I see your stuff, I always grab it. Um, been impressed with your stuff for years. Your, your branding is exceptional. I mean, look at this stuff. It's, it's crazy. It's so good. Um, so, <laughs> man, appreciate you hanging out. I'm really looking forward to hearing the story. So uh, shall we bust into this bad boy right now? Yeah, let's do it. So this one is called Magic Missile. It is a dry hopped pale ale, five point five percent. Oh, it's oh no, I thought I said collab. Nice. What did he um, tell us about this one, man? So yeah, I mean, this is as close as it gets to what we would call a flagship for okay. us. Um, this is our yeah, so our dry hop pale ale. Um, okay. This was one of the first beers I ever made as a home brewer. Right. <laughs> it goes back many 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 years for okay. me um and it's evolved a lot over that time um but what you could call it at this point in its life is um it's it's sort of in the the new england style direction it's okay. hazy uh juicy it has my favorite hop in it galaxy yeah um, and it's all about sort of just pushing that like sort of jungle fruit passion right. fruit like like tropical direction kind of um yeah i'm getting that heaps yeah. on the nose okay well you just go straight from the can that's gangster okay i respect that <laughs> i respect it I'll pour it. yeah man that's okay you don't have to i like it i don't really see uh, i feel like brewers are pretty pretty chill with the uh the can versus glass thing it's not that serious Ooh. cheers bro Lovely, super smooth, soft. Um, is it all Galaxy? Um, there's there are some other there's some Citra in there, okay. um, a little bit of Centennial, just sort of to balance it a bit. I find that if you just use like straight up Citra or straight up Galaxy, you just get a lot of round fruit flavor without sort of a little punch of citrus mm. or something to sort of grasp onto the tongue instead of just being this like smooth slosh <laughs> yeah i don't know how else to describe it um so yeah just balancing it out a bit with some citrus um with some other hops there so mm. yeah definitely getting that citrus i know exactly what you mean there the um super soft is like it's almost like a, a subtle like the the pithiness 
in there? Yeah. 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 So the, the pithiness, um, I mean, there's a citrus or acid element to balance mm. it, but pithiness is actually mostly from polyphenols. Okay. And uh, yeah, so polyphenols are basically like a, they're, they're the larger category, which include tannins, but they tend to be much smaller um, molecules. They're like six carbon rings, <laughs> many right. of them. That's why phenols are the benzene rings and then polyphenols are many of them. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> no, this is good. <laughs> Please do. This uh, is fun. But, uh, but yeah, like when you bite into a citrus fruit and you get the pith in your mouth, like mm -hmm. that is like polyphenol city, Straight right? Like that's the, that pithiness. Okay. Interesting. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that because, uh, particularly the relationship to tannins and stuff. That's super cool. I hadn't uh, heard that, but that makes sense. And that, and that comes from um, which particular hop do you think would give it the um, that pithiness? Um, all, all hops. All of them do. Uh, um, it really is a matter of how you treat the hops and okay. how you dry hop it. Right. So, like, hops impart bitterness in multiple ways. Um, IBUs are the most well known, uh, which is just the um, iso alpha acids. Okay. For, or at least that's in the literature. There, there are there, there's a, a lot of things have been learned in the last maybe decade or so. Um, User coming from and right. iso alpha acids are part of the picture, but there are other things. Okay, um, and the pithiness is almost like its own category. It's not even associated with IBUs at all. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's almost like that. I guess it is separate because it's a sort of a bitterness. I could be argued that it is. I, I imagine at least in that 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 yeah, taste. I call it astringency. Yeah, astringency is different from bitterness. There you go. But they're very closely related. <laughs> could without getting too crazy, can you very? <laughs> is there like a simple way to break down the difference between bitterness and astringency? Um, I would say. Uh, the closest, like I, I would know how to describe astringency better than bitterness. Astringency is like sucking on a tea bag. That's that's the okay. easiest. Way. Like like think tea, um, but like tea leaves or dried out dried out plant matter, sort of like that that dryness on the back of the tongue that sort of stretches the palate or talks the palate mm -hmm. that. that be what I call a stringency. Um, bitterness, yeah, bitterness is more of like there's a dryingness to it, but <laughs> it's the opposite of sweet. I don't know how else <laughs> really to describe it. Um, okay. As, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's a really good one. That tea, the particularly like that that real green tea kind of like leaf thing that just dries your whole mouth out but still leaves mm -hmm. that it's like a similar it's like you're right it's, i didn't i never really i thought it was kind of a synonym to be honest i thought it was sort of like just a nicer way astringency is a nicer way to say it but the, the tea the tea comparison makes sense for sure i'm always getting tea vibes yeah. from this now you mention it, unless i'm just sort of like i'm kind of like losing my mind with within it but i can yeah. like soup like almost the, like a tea yeah, on like, the brain <laughs> tea on the brain it's almost like a peach tea or something Ooh. Yeah, and, and well, I mean, it definitely has a lot of peach from 
a bit from the hops, definitely from the yeast. We use Vermont Ale Yeast for okay. pretty much all of our pale ales, IPAs, IIPAs, etc. Gotcha. And it gives off huge peach flavors. So. Which is dope. Okay. I love it, man. This is great. This is a uh, super good. I haven't had this one before, so I was uh, stoked to try it. This is great. So I can see that this would be a nice, you know, crushable, approachable, because um, it's not like over the top. It's, I feel like it's super yeah. rounded, extremely soft. The mouthfeel is insane. Um, this is a, I can definitely see this being like a solid um, uh, flagship to, to really draw people in particular to be like, oh, all right, we can make, you know, this pale ale sort of complex yet super approachable. You know, and then they're more interested yeah. in the rest. Yeah. It is, it's to introduce hops without the bitter hop yeah. character, right? Like most yeah. people think hops, oh, it's bitter. No, but <laughs> not, not the case. No. <laughs> not the case. Do you think that um, people still think that about hops, being that we're in the world of the New England IPA right now? Um, I mean, I think less so, but we certainly still get people who come into the tap room and you mention hops and they freak out. <laughs> and, oh God, it's like, no, wait, we can show you. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I, I found that um, the conversion for gateway people who kind of say that about hops or just oh, I don't really like beer, give them a New England. And I feel like it blows people's minds more than any style that I've yeah. sort of come across, I think for that reason, because they or they have those assumptions about hops and then, then they taste this glorious, smooth thing that doesn't look like any of the beer they've ever seen in their life and they trip out. I'm like, okay, all right. It's a it's a solid one to have yeah. for like a flagship, man. It's a good good move. Got a quick comment, Philippe Brousseau out there in Quebec City. What's up, Bracelet? What's up? How are you guys, mate? I am great, Phil. I hope everything is good out there, bro. So I didn't tell you, we're going to get some, uh, get a few comments and stuff because we're live. People come through and they might have questions and stuff. So because we haven't had you on before, man. Hey. I'm doing well as well. (laughs) Um, It's a beautiful thing. Um, Dude, yeah, I'd love to get your uh, your beer history and then we'll lead into the history of the brewery itself. Um, Sure. Yeah, I'd love to know. So, um, yeah, I have no formal education in brewing. Um, I'm completely self-taught. I started off with a friend uh, homebrewing and we basically, we were sitting down for dim sum one one afternoon and we're just like, you know, there's not a whole lot of the beers we want to drink available these days, like through the LCBO, through the beer store. Um, It was very limited. And this was like almost a decade ago at this point. Right. So like, you know, Bellwoods, Blood Brothers, all of the Toronto craft breweries that are now sort of, we they're there, we're not there. Um, and we were really into like Belgian beers and stuff like that. Um, and so we just decided, okay, grab some like basic equipment and from scratch, just start brewing. Right. And make a point of doing it once a week, at least always once a week, just don't stop <laughs> and iterate and iterate and iterate. Um, and we did it for it's like two or three years, basically just home brewing every week, point of it, writing down all the recipes, um, eventually moved from condo space to a rented space in Kensington market, 
in Toronto. Um, just to, to brew? Yeah, just wow. to brew. We rented out a, just like a room from a friend um, okay. in their place. And uh, yeah, we go there like every weekend and just do a brew. <laughs> right. And, um, got like a old cabinet freezer and put a temperature controller on it and like the whole, <laughs> we went like, yeah. <laughs> Fancy schmancy uh, homebrew <laughs> um, set up. That's always place. the homebrew bombs. So cool. Okay. And yeah, it it sort of, it got to a point where, like, I, I was not super happy with my job. I'm, I was a software developer. Um, I'm actually trained as a software engineer. I graduated as a software engineer. Wow. So nothing to do with brewing. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Though, a lot of those skills, like a lot of the technical ways of analyzing things and stuff, it, it translates a lot. Um, okay. and, and there's a lot of deep, like sort of um, intricate details in brewing that appeal to those same sort of elements of, that I saw in programming. And that's sort of what really got me into like going down the rabbit hole into all the details. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, eventually it hit a point where I, I wanted to go professional with it um, and sort of just take the leap. Um, and, uh, you know, after the really difficult part of raising money and finding a location, was actually the biggest barrier really to entry. Um, Especially in uh, Yeah, Toronto. Whew, it's yeah, managed managed to make it happen, um, and uh, and like <laughs> then that was a whole other adventure, right? Right, of course. Like, uh, all of a sudden, jumping up basically orders of magnitude and scale. Uh, you know, no longer throwing throwing out a beer is no longer like you know tens or maybe you know yeah maybe probably tens of dollars. It's, it's instead thousands of dollars, <laughs> you know? Can't be done. Um, yeah, or keep it to a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> and what, mean, what, what year did this, uh, what year did you start brewing and what year did the brewery say the, the, the planning when you were like, oh, we're doing it, and you started looking for a um, uh, location? Right. Um, <laughs> I guess started brewing, she's like 2010, 2011. Okay. And then uh, the brewery opened in 2016. So, okay. so if you subtract about a year, year and a half from that, from 26, from like April, May 2016. So that's sort of 2014-ish is when yeah. you started where you're at now. Okay, okay. So you were brewing in Kensington and then as soon as you decided, all right, let's start looking and it took a year and a half to do everything from finding it to um, open or was it more like you? I, I wouldn't say that like, it's not just a switch. <laughs> That's right. for sure. At any point, it, like there were gradients all along the way, right? Okay. Like sort of like looking here and there, thinking about it, going this way you know, like starting the corporation was like a different step somewhere earlier. And then 
like little things happened along the way, but then there was a sudden acceleration probably about a year before. Um, and then once, once the lease was settled, basically we were open within six months. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. Maybe a bit, bit longer, but not much good. longer. That's a good general. Yeah. We, we, uh, it was very well planned. It was very, <laughs> very strictly planned. Okay. <laughs> and we had a lot of help from a lot of talented people. Fantastic. And you are located, it's sort of, what, what's the area called? Is it like, not quite junction, but like? Um, it's like sort of, it's like the fringe of the junction. It's called okay. the Wallace Emerson Junction in the West End of Toronto. Um, yeah, we're like literally on the railroad, like like just on the wrong side of the railroad tracks okay. from the junction. <laughs> right. To take you out. Yeah. Are you near, because um, my friend who used to be my co-host here, he lived at Lansdowne and DuPont. And I think oh, he's very close. Yes. I think he said it was yeah. like five minutes walk from there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Okay. So it's really like, and you go west from there. Yeah. Yeah, west, okay. southwest. From there. Oh, so you'd be yeah. near um, Hale, like the, ca- the coffee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hale is uh, just north from us. Uptown. Oh, okay, sweet. All right, I, I'm, I totally get it now. All right, perfect. So when you opened in 2016, um, what uh, did you open with? Was it just straight, was the, was the plan to be like just brew pub or were you packaging at the time? Like, what did that look like? Uh, yep, we were bottling everything pretty much um 500 500 milliliter format um which we stick to to this day uh we do a lot more canning now um but yeah it was uh, basically a tap room bottle shop and uh that was it no online store (laughs) that came much later uh yeah (laughs) um but yeah it was and no patio um Do you have one now? I guess. All right. So it's pretty straightforward. Then the the beers you were making when you were home brewing or I don't even know what you call it, that mid mid point when you had the Kensington uh, spot, what were you, what kind of beers were you making then? And how many of those transitioned into the actual final brew? Yeah. um, And most of the brews that were being made back then, a lot of them were like Belgian inspired beers. Um, Like the one big beer that really got me into brewing was delirium tremens. Like I, I still love a good Belgian strong golden ale, um, but uh, I really wanted to sort of make my own twist on that beer. I, so um, one of those beers, it was called Phineas Gage we made it once with halo like professionally um but like a lot of those beers i sort of i don't know i like i just grew out of well i i wouldn't say grew out i still enjoy belgian beers i just can't drink them like they're not sessionable (laughs) like i can't can't crush a lot of belgian beers (laughs) in a night right like and they're intense enjoy my my time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. there's the ABV, yeah, but there's 
the intensity. Like you're going to have a triple. Like yeah. you don't need 500 mils of a 9% triple or even the doubles or anything like that. Like there's not many Belgian styles. Maybe like the Flanders Red if they're like a Rodenbach and it's soft and smooth and 5%. But anything else, it's yeah. so. I find I'm so with you on that. I feel like it's a part of the beer nerd journey to start with the Belgian, at least back then, back when you started homebrewing, is when I got into beer seriously too. And the Belgian was a big part of it, like a really big part of the discovery phase because there were such interesting styles and flavor profiles. Yeah, but totally. But I can absolutely understand that, you know, that same feeling. Now I can barely drink any of those styles anymore. They're cool. Basically what you have in your glass there is about as much as any of it as, as I'm kind of want. <laughs> it's just intense. So, okay, I totally understand. So you were making those things because you liked them at the time and that adds up for the time frame if you were brewing out of there and, 20 what 13 14 15 yeah and i mean this was this was well before the new england style came about like before i had any knowledge even of um like i think just around that time i was starting to learn about uh imperial ipas okay uh like like because, like, what, Pliny the Elder, which is, like, sort of the quintessential West Coast IIPA, actually developed by the guy who made the IIPA, uh, Vinny, right. from Russian River. Um, that beer I didn't even learn about until, I don't know, like, just, like, maybe a year before opening the brewery. Okay. Like, like, it, yeah. Did you ever so, get the Vermont side? Because I guess, okay, so it's still a while ago. So that there's, I guess, in that time frame with that's mentioned in the same breath as Pliny is suddenly like Hedy Topper. Like, did you ever get into the Vermont side of things? Because I guess there's the full, oh, shape. yeah, yeah, I'm at because that's the other imperial, you know, eight percent double IPA, but yeah, completely different. That was equally as uh, sought after and lined up for at that time, pre pre yeah. pre Hayes days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that was the sort of the the beginning, the the sort of jump off point into Haze Land and <laughs> the, the whole the whole East Coast like big juicy IPA uh, craze, which continues to this day. It's nailing down the that perfect IPA will always be on my mind. Like it's yeah. there's there's really. There aren't too many styles better in my mind than like just that getting it right, like that mouthfeel and oh, just yeah. the fullness of it. It's, uh, it's yeah. <laughs> so you would have opened, <laughs> yeah, man. It's a, it keeps you going for it. But I, I imagine now, now you now I'm thinking about it from memory. I think the first time I had it would have been late 2016 in Canada. I know a brewery in, in Ontario made a in New England for that, and it was like. I was looking for them and no one was doing it. And that was probably like mm-hmm. fall 2016. When you opened then, did you start with the Belgians? Did you start with, obviously when you started probably with pre-Haze, but like what sort of stuff did you, did you begin the actual, did you launch with? Do you remember the launch beers maybe? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of, there was magic missile but it was a different beer um it had more caramel malts in it it was much more of a sort of west coast vibe to it i would say gotcha. um, than it is now um there was there was no shapeshifter 
um, hadn't even gotten into kettle souring and that, that whole thing. Like there were a few Belgian sort of, uh, beers that we were doing. We were doing some wits like early on, which we totally don't do anymore. (laughs) Um, fair enough. Yeah. A lot of things have just sort of changed. Uh, a few things have remained fairly consistent, like event horizon or, our sarsaparilla stout mm-hmm. that really has not changed. I mean, the recipe has evolved, but the the style itself has not changed mm-hmm. since the beginning. Okay. Um, yeah, we're doing sort of like one beer called a hundred points, which is a cherry double. Um, there was RGB, which is a honey triple. Wow. Um, yeah, but like we just. We just don't brew those beers anymore. No, I can imagine that. <laughs> I, just, I, I, I would rather instead of having, you know, we have our Vermont yeast, um, and now I've got the Halo Britannomyces blend that we use for all our saisons. Mm-hmm. But like, we were, we had like all these different yeasts that we'd have to keep, right? Like, if you have a wit, like you could use your Belgian yeast or you could use like a more specialized sort of wit yeast to get a more favorable flavor profile. Um, So now like you're, you're keeping all these yeasts and it's like, well, but you have to brew at some point in order to reuse that yeast or else you're buying new yeast every time. Mm. Like from, from an economic standpoint, it didn't make any sense from a man yeast management standpoint. It was foolish um and so you know the pragmatism of the situation sort of spoke to a different reality right. <laughs> i guess <laughs> yeah that actually makes a lot um, of sense i've never heard anyone say that before but it, it's it's an extraordinarily like valid point that if you're not like if you if someone's making maybe they make a parallel but the parallel yeast is probably gonna be the same as the ipa yeast as the double ipa yeast or whatever in that whole exactly. family but if you do one Hefeweizen, like you really do have to use a Hefeweizen yeast or a wheat yeast, whatever, because yeah. it's very specific. But if you're not doing it and then you, unless you've got like some, I guess you can keep them in the fridge or something for a while, but probably <laughs> not forever, I imagine. Yeah. Most yeasts uh, give it two weeks tops. Um, yeah. Depending. Yeah. If it's wild yeast, like Britannomyces, you can keep for like a year. And okay. or longer. I mean, like I wouldn't use a commercial pitch for that long, you know, but or for that long. Um, but you know, like it's it's a survivor. <laughs> most most strains of Brett will still around for for a long time. I mean, they found like whatever like sunken ships with bottles of beer, and they're able to harvest Pretenomyces out of them. That's <laughs> It's yeah. a trooper of a yeah. <laughs> okay. But um, but yeah, generally okay. you don't want to keep too many strains. Right. So it made sense to kind of move on. Uh Philippe was just asking here, he's like, what style of beer do you prefer brewing overall? Oh man. Um if that's even I love I, I love IIPAs. Like that's that's my jam. I love slightly higher ABV, like big hoppy beers. Juicy, lots of lots of pithiness, but like balanced and and full. Yeah, nice. I like trying to get the balance right. Okay, 
which is that's the big challenge I guess in these beers. I heard someone say to me recently that the New England style by definition isn't balanced, but this was from somebody who I'd had on in the past and he didn't like them because he was like, he made a balanced version, which was super not really New Englandy. And then I had him on, that was a couple of years ago. And then recently he was like, I was wrong. Like it's not supposed to be balanced, but you could probably also argue that within that style um, guideline, it's, you know, technically obviously because it's so hop forward, like you can't pull back that hop, you know, forward side of it, or it probably ceases to become the New England or even an IPA period. But when you say balance with regard to, to that, what are you referring to specifically? Well, <laughs> like, I think that... Or even do you agree that it's, that it's not balanced? It's inherently unbalanced style? No, I don't. Um, okay. I think that it really depends on what your definition of balanced is. Hmm. Um, and there are different ways of looking at it. So... One way of looking at it is from the point of view of, can I drink a lot of this and be happy at the end of it, you know, right. or continue to be happy and want more of it? If you, if that, if the answer to that is yes, it's balanced in my opinion, hmm. like from your perspective, it's a balanced fear right? because it's appealing to you like from start to finish and it's leaving you wanting more hmm. like, that strikes me as a balance in one, one manner of speaking. I think there's the more sort of uh, zithologist focused or Cicerone sort of focused term of balanced, which would be, does the bitterness and the sweetness balance each other out? Um, is there like um, sort of a, a, is the, is the flavor like, um, coherent and consistent throughout it and like does it sort of merge well with the body of the beer like is the mouth are the mouthfeel flavor and mouthfeel and flavor coming together in a, a harmonious way um, that could be another way of looking at balance um, I think that in both of those definitions of balance I, I, I think a New England style is doing its job if it's made well like I think like, yeah, it's a bit sweeter than your typical IPA. It doesn't have the same kind of IBU content of an IPA, but then you could argue the opposite and say, well, maybe IPAs before that were not balanced. Maybe they were too bitter, you know, <laughs> like, and, and a lot of people would say that about like stone IPAs from like the late nineties or early aughts or whatever it was, the, I guess, early aughts. Yeah. Um, like they were just like punching in the face with pine needles and resin, right? Like, <laughs> really that, were. and that was like, people, people like that. Some people like that, um, oh, but I would argue it wasn't balanced <laughs> and I wouldn't drink it now. <laughs> right. Um, so it's, it, it's, there's a time and place element to balance too, right? There's like a, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of context around what balance means and it means different things to different people. People are the context or part of the context. Um, yeah, I think it's complex. It's a complex question. (laughs) Yeah. No, I see, man. I love that. The people are the context. That's dope. That's a great, that's a great quote right there that summarizes. So therefore 
coming to your beers then, when you say you are making, uh, you try to make balanced beers, um, you know, particularly with regard to the haze, I imagine then you're referring to the, the first thing you said, which was, can I drink the beer and then be like, I want another one of those. Yeah. Okay. That, that's always what I want to achieve really with, with our beers. That's dope. Yeah. I like that. Um, so then to keep going, I know I took us on a bit of a tangent there. Um, with regard to the, so the opening was all those different beers, you had the wit and blah, blah, blah. When did things start to change? Because I probably had Shapeshifter for the first time. I don't remember which variant, but I want to say 2018. Does that sound about right? Or yeah. was it later? I mean, I think, no, uh, Shapeshifter was probably, came about in our, it's probably like late first year, early second year. So oh, okay. So it was pretty. Yeah, we would have started brewing it by 2017, okay. I, I believe. Okay. Um, gosh, it's been a long time. Honestly, <laughs> you probably yeah. put that up and I'd be wrong. I don't know. You know what? I'll um, check while you're talking. But... I'll see. <laughs> I'll see when I, because it tells me when I had it. So I'll take a look and see exactly when it was. I'm, I'm, I feel, oh, the actual, so there's an OG one. Okay, I've only had Blackberry and the original. I had the original twice, it says. July 2018 on Tiff's birthday in April 2018. So I guess that was it. And then Blackberry was one time and that was also 2018. Okay. Cool. So Um, that would be about, about right. Okay. So for people who don't know, that's your Fruited Sour Series. um, Dry uh, Kettle Sour Series. And that is your, yeah. I would say that's what you're most known for, would you think? Even though maybe this um, Magic Missile is the closer to the flagship, I feel like when I think Halo, I think Shapeshifter. Yeah, I, I would say like our kettle soured stuff is probably what we're best known for. Um, I think we were probably one of the first breweries to start really pushing it uh, okay. in Toronto. Um, and like it became a big part of our process, like pretty early on, um, like just perfecting and getting the kettle souring thing down so that it was producing like a clean sour flavor that doesn't sort of taste, I find like overcooked or anything like that. I think kettle sours can go in that direction pretty easily. Um, and trying to get that process down and, refine it so that it it's fresh sort of like doesn't have that sort of more rank quality that you can get (laughs) sometimes yeah Yeah. um so so yeah shapeshifter was one of the first beers sort of that was used to perfect that process um and then it became sort of our thing for a lot of our saisons as well okay and then the when did you start doing the New England IPAs then? Was that also 2017? Because I think that's when Toronto really, because Toronto were one of the earlier ones in Canada to really catch on. I recall Bellwood right. started doing theirs in um, either t- late 2016 or early 2017 from what I was from memory anyway. So I imagine you guys would have been in that time frame. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, it, it was not like just flipping a switch. Um, it is 
a remarkably hard style to um, to master or to even get close to mastering. <laughs> um, getting homogeneous uh, <clears throat> and stable haze in a beer is surprisingly difficult right. without like some sort of strange chemical aids, which apparently now exist in the market, but I do not use them. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, like, yeah, it's, what are they? of course, inevitable. Of course. What would, um, what would they be? Honestly, <clears throat> honestly, I don't know <clears throat> the full details of them, but probably some sort of emulsifier coupled with some sort of pH, like buffering agent. Okay. That would be my guess. Maybe some collection of, certain size proteins or something like that in, in solution. Yeah. But like, like, okay. like the, the big thing about the new England style that makes it so hard is um, you're like that haze is it's like it, it's proteins, it's polyphenols, it's, and it's um, like longer chain sugars all and hop oils all in a matrix like this big jumbled up matrix and it's all holding itself together with chemical bonds and not falling out of solution very fast and how fast it falls out of solution is very important because that's its sort of shelf stability right like mm. if it just fell out of solution in two weeks then, you know you go and this thing and then you pour it out and there's just sludge at the bottom that's not pleasant no so like yeah there's a there's a huge amount of balancing with that right. style it was hard to develop right right so then i guess if you did it in 2017 it was you know probably as a drinker yourself you're discovering the style and you're like wow this is super interesting and people want it it was super fresh here. I remember being, you know, super hard to get initially. Not many people were doing it. You know, obviously not like, like it is now. Um, how was, when you started doing that, like what was the reaction from people? Were people sort of like, what, what the hell is this? Like, you know, why can't I see through this beer anymore? Or was the, you know, what was the sort of general response? I, I wouldn't <clears throat> say that. Like, our customers have been such nice, wonderful people. I've not, I've not like encountered any kind of like, like pushback, you know, yeah, pushback or or sentiment of that nature. Really, like I, a lot of people are just sort of like pleasantly surprised, or you know, or if they're not into that, then they go for you know a different style of beer. Um, I think like most people. Like there, at first with sours, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, I don't think I'm going to like a sour. Like right. there's always, and there's a lot of that with hops as well, right? It's always, it's always hops and sours. Like they tend to divide people um, for some reason or another. And then, you, you know, you introduce someone to like a well-made sour or well-made hoppy beer and like it changes their perspective. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or it doesn't, or and you know, then they, they can keep drinking whatever they want to drink. You know, like that's cool. But um, but yeah, I, I, the, we never had any significant backlash or anything like that. I think people just sort of they tasted they 
they were educated, they tasted it, they enjoyed it, right. you know, or they tried what whatever else they wanted to try and went with that instead. Right. Okay. So that, <laughs> yeah. that's good that, because I imagine I was sort of assuming that a lot of people would have, uh, particularly, in, you know, maybe if you have a, that, that community where you're at, like if it's not just beer nerds, you probably would have had a whole bunch of just locals because you have a local brewery and they just come in maybe they didn't know a lot about beer and they come in and all of a sudden you've got this beer that used to be clear and now these new ones that are not <laughs> and then people are like oh, what's happening here but i imagine yeah. there's, a, there's a bit of loyalty probably involved in that they just love whatever you do anyway <clears throat> you know, yeah you know. uh, a lot of the people who come into the brewery are like super open-minded about beer and it's like you know like it's not hard to convince people if if there's a well-made version of something you know that like yeah give it a shot there there is the occasional person who comes in who's like do you have any loggers you know like that's the first thing yeah. right. it's just like no we don't i was gonna ask but, uh, you don't do crispies at all eh? <clears throat> no no uh, we just don't have we don't have the capacity the space. for it don't have the space for it yeah it makes no sense for us it makes I mean, sense for your lineup we, but I can see physically, yeah, that would make sense, yeah. Yeah, physically it makes no sense. Uh, it'd be cool to do a Pilsner at some, like like a hoppy Pilsner. Something, something, yeah. Like nice dry hop Pilsner someday, someday. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that, that seems to be the biggest pushback, I guess, from, from just literally just space and time. Like you could run through three different batches of, a, of an IPA in the same time that you'd run a appeals like it's for six weeks or something and yeah <laughs> yeah it's sort of uh yeah it is pretty tough did you want to i'm just looking at the time to sort of maximize which beers we get through we can finish that one after did you want to move to the next one <clears throat> what do you think yeah about? let's move to the next one which one do you want to do um geez so um, i think we have new wave what's... and then a couple shapeshifters and then the the the, the saison Let's move to a shapeshifter. Okay, which one do you feel? Yeah. <laughs> which one are you feeling? Which, which, <laughs> I don't, don't want to answer. Okay, <laughs> which? Let's, okay, all right. Let's let's do the the black raspberry. Black raspberry shapeshifter. Amazing. Yeah. So can you grab something? Shapeshifter black raspberry. Yes, switch it up a little bit. <clears throat> Amazing. So this was a start for people who were watching. We were just talking about before. Um, this is uh, so basically it's a like a what is it like five ish percent the uh, the shape shifter yes sir it's six point five percent six point five we're gonna get to the labels at some point too because these things are beautiful I love them so yeah this is a bit more in the milkshake vein oh you got the lactose oh yeah oh, okay it's a sour IPA. Yeah. Yo, do you know what? For some reason, I kept thinking that um, Shapeshifter is like a, just a straight kettle sour, like a dry hop sour or something, but it's technically a sour IPA. Yep. All right. I wonder why I thought that. Maybe just because it was sour, I just assumed. Oof. All right. Look at this bag. Oh, Jesus Christ. That color. Yes. Black raspberry is a great fruit for this, eh? I love it. It's... It's so great. Yeah, it's it's just such a rich, wacky fruit. Like yeah. raspberry by itself, I find just 
all you taste is just this like really tart raspberry. Mm -hmm. It's just raspberry. Like right. you can't put raspberry in a beer and have it not just taste like raspberry, I find. But right. black raspberry, there's more to it. Like it's it's got that sort of seedy quality of like a blackberry, but like still a a, a lot of that sort of jamminess from the raspberry, but it's not just straight up raspberry. <laughs> right. No, you're right. It's got like that nice, happy medium. Cheers, bro. Mm. Cheers. All right. So a 6.5. Yeah, got all vanilla and lactose. Okay, so it's like arguably a sour milkshake. It's, yeah, it does not have um, pectin in it. No, so and that would be the other difference. Most, um, the original milkshake, uh, tired hands, is they originated this style. Um, they would use, um, or they do use, uh, green apples basically in no. the kettle for that. Okay, and just extract a shit ton of pectin, <laughs> and um, that basically acts as kind of like a gelling and emulsifying agent okay. um, throughout fermentation. And so like when you dry hop it or when you add fruit to it, it just captures more of it and just like makes this jelly haze, you know? Right. Um, and sort of that, and adds like a, almost like a non-Newtonian fluid like element to it. You know, right. like it's got like a, like a weird sort of jelliness to it. Mm. Um, but we, we don't use we don't use pectin because I just find like maybe someday I'll use it in a different beer, but I want to stick with sort of the sour IPA and right. just add the nuances of vanilla um, and lactose to it just to get the sort of sweetness and the and all that in there. The the, the vanilla is pretty subtle, yeah. Because I, I feel like I'm not yeah. picking it up. I mean, it's fresh out the fridge, so it's obviously quite cold and it'll, it'll get a little warmer, I'm sure. But I feel like the vanilla is like typically a backbone in these type of beers, like, you know, from the milkshakes that I've had. Um, <clears throat> I always find that the, the vanilla is mostly like in the in the back, and I imagine that's similar to this too. <clears throat> yeah, I, I try and keep the vanilla – like it's it's not – it's not foreground, it's more of a background flavor right. where I try and keep it so that it's not overpowering the fruit, like, but it's still complementing the fruit. It's, there's a balancing act for sure. And different fruits uh, inevitably require different amounts of vanilla. <laughs> okay. Based um, off of fruit, right? Um, so like there's a substantial amount of vanilla also like, yeah, we use, like, real vanilla beans in this. We use Madagascar vanilla beans. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> God, they're expensive. Yeah, right? So you <laughs> Jeez, keep going up. Vanilla is so pricey. It's like, do you know why it's, it's pricey? pricey? I never um, heard why. I believe it has to do with how it's, how it's uh, um, basically picked. I think it has to be hand-picked. Right. It's, uh like a super labor intensive crop. They seem quite fragile. Yeah. Like you probably couldn't have like a tractor come and just take it off. Like if you break it and the mill is done. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it also has to do with where in the world vanilla grows. 
Mm. Like, you know, how much uh, industrialization is taking place in Madagascar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Tahiti, yeah. I think, is the other one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I guess they got different flavor profiles. Someone was telling me the other night. Yeah. yeah. And they, they said they know this lady here in Quebec that was um, could keep, like, she could do, like, a four-hour podcast just on vanilla. Like, she's the vanilla lady. Yeah. It just explains all the different stuff. And I was like, wow, I just didn't know it was, it was that deep. Oh, yeah. It's got its own terroir. Yeah. It's like pretty much any crop. But I think vanilla is very prominent. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to come on, this is great, man. Like, I, I'm super, I don't know why I'm super surprised this is sour IPA. What would, the, therefore, what would the difference be between making this a sour IPA and then making it a kettle sour that just has lactose and fruit and vanilla? Like what, 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 what in this makes it the sour IPA versus the kettle sour? I mean, I think at, at that point, the differentiating factor is your use of hops. Um, okay. How you like where the hops are or if any hops are added. If it was just a kettle sour, like you technically don't have to add any hops at all. All you're really doing is just, you know, throwing lacto into a lactobacillus to your kettle and letting it sit warm overnight or whatever until um, it drops to a pH that's desirable and then you either kill it off or just throw it all back and throw it into a fermenter afterwards. I would recommend killing it off. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the sour IPA thing, I mean, and you know, like I made this, like I just made it up. Like as far as like it's concerned, I, I I know like IPAs you dry hop them. This is kettle soured. It's a sour IPA because basically what I'll do is after it's been soured in the kettle, I heat it up. I don't boil it, but I kill the lacto, okay. and I throw a ton of hops in when it's you know relatively hot, like seventy to eighty degrees Celsius. Uh, let it sit on the hops, extract the oils or extract some of the oils. Um, and then, you know, whirlpool it, put it into a fermenter. And then after fermentation is done, dry hop it a lot. <laughs> a lot. And uh, that's, that's, that's how I would define it as being a sour IPA. It's, it's, it's dry hopped and it has a ton of hops in it. Um, other than that, yeah, it, it is a kettle sour. Right. It has lots of hops. Okay. Do you know Do you know which hops are in this one, by the way? Um, so, oh, man, off the top of my head. Jeez. <laughs> no, it's not that serious. I was just curious. I can find out in like five seconds. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it's, this is uh, a great beer, man. I love this. It's uh, Simcoe, Amarillo, Citrus, and Tanniel. Simcoe Amarillo, Langstone, uh, Citra, and Centennial. Citra, Centennial. Great combo. Okay. I love that. Um, I got a question from Philippe here for you, and then I actually have a question. That I imagine you probably went to your website to look at that uh, recipe, which I want to talk about, because that's something you guys do that's super unique. Um, yeah, sure. Philippe is saying, do you have a style that you don't like or you have difficulty brewing? And if you have to brew it for some reason, like say public demand, it just happens to be people want it, but you don't like it. How would you approach making that beer? 
That's a good question, man. Yeah. Wow. Um, Tough I definitely have styles I don't like. Um, I would say I really don't like Hefeweizens. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Why don't you like that? Is it the banana? This is banana water. Yeah. <laughs> just, who wants that? I, you know, it's, it's so funny. I enjoyed them when I was like really like just, just getting into beer, like really early on. Like, because it was just so absurd and unique and weird, right? Like, it's like, oh my God, it tastes like bananas. How is this possible? Um, and now it's just like any, any beer that tastes like bananas, I'm just kind of like, I don't want to drink this. Like, I'm just not interested. Like, <laughs> bubblegum is good, a bit of clove, but like, you start getting more and more towards the isoamyl acetate banana penicillin i'm like no oh, <laughs> i'm done i couldn't agree more people give me shit about it i was like I, I can't deal with them either it's just it seemed like it was like such the early early days type of style it was the stuff we were like you were saying i remember drinking them early on wow this is amazing it's hazy where everything else is clear and it's a fun thing and now i'm just like Ugh. every time i have one I'm just yeah like, please no yeah yeah it's weird. So if you had to if you uh, had to make a Hefeweizen then, that's a good good example. Yeah. Would you oh, do any <laughs> if if people really wanted it, would you make one? No. No? I wouldn't. <laughs> no. That's the beauty of being your own boss. Yeah, it really is. Like I like I get to make these decisions. Uh there's nobody forcing me to make any particular beers. Um, and like, I didn't get into this to make the beers I don't like to drink. <laughs> like Thanks, I, 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 I want to make the beers I want to drink. Yeah. I want to, I want to, you know, like I want to enjoy what I do. Um, I don't think I would enjoy it if I was making things I didn't like. So yeah, I, I, I don't find myself ever, at the brewery contemplating or making beers that, you know, I'm not, Into. I'm not happy to be making. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a great group. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, just trying to think like what, if anything, like the, the closest, like I'm not a huge, like dark beer drinker. Like, like I'm not a Porter, like stout drinker very much. Um, so like event horizon is, is like a beer. I, I don't drink very often. Um, I mean, I don't drink most of my beers very often just cause <laughs> I, it's work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tie it to work and I do it enough at work to make sure that the beer is tasting good. Like I know what the beers taste like. <laughs> <Believe Yeah. me>. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> so like i enjoy drinking other breweries beers in right. my spare time right <laughs> that makes complete sense uh, yeah um s s but like yeah the the darker beers not so much my thing but like i find ways to make it more enjoyable by like setting goals for myself like I want the mouthfeel to be this way. I want, 
I want the aroma to be that way. Like I, I, I set parameters and like, then I try and achieve those goals and, and that sort of, you know, adds value to me. It, it makes it more enjoyable. Like there's, there's something to it. There's a goal, you know? Yeah. Um, even if that beer is not exactly the beer I always want to drink, you know? That's a good, that's a really cool approach. Um, and on that, I, I find that the breweries that are the most fire it, are when they do exactly what you're talking about, where the person in charge of making the beer makes what they want to drink. Because you're going to make what yeah. you want to drink and you're going to make that style the best it could possibly be. So a brewery where the brewer loves Hefeweizens is probably going to make a fire Hefeweizen. It won't be for you or me, but the people who love sure. it, they got to love that. So I, I really I respect that and I like that dedication to not fulfilling a market need for the sake of it um, and you know, you're really sticking to your guns, which makes the brewery kind of special. Cause I kind of feel like if you just gave into everything, I don't know what, what does that make you at the end of the day? When this is technically an art, it's science, but it's an art and it's your art that you've, you know, been working on for yeah. a decade. So it's kind of feels weird to compromise that. So I respect that a lot. I mean, yeah. It feels disingenuous. Yeah. Like just, yeah. Yeah. So you're telling me we can't do a Halo BAOS Hefeweizen collab? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think I was, that was a test. That was a test. You didn't bend. You didn't bend. <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, this, is, this is generally fantastic. So this beer came out in 2017, at least this one. It sounds like when I was just, well, it sounds like it looks like I was checking uh, Untapped before to see where I was at. It looks like there's a... 20, 30, 40 variants of this, uh, of this beer. You've done a ton of them. Do you yeah. rotate them or are they like, all right, this week I'm going to do this and I never do it again. Um, a lot of it has to do with availability of fruits okay. and fruits that I think would complement the style more. Right. Okay. Like there, like, I, I don't think, I'll ever do like a straight up raspberry shapeshifter just because I don't like straight up raspberries in beer. Like yeah. <laughs> that's weird. Like like there are just certain fruits where I'm just never. I'm probably never going to touch it. Um, and then there are certain fruits that I've latched onto that I really love, um, like blood orange. I really love blood orange. I really love black currant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just these. They add they have a definite character onto themselves uh, that I think contributes to the beer better than I think what other fruits would, would do it. Um, We have a sort of, I guess it's new ish, but like it's a new series of beers, the co-dominance beers, which are basically they're dual fruited IPAs. um, And that's sort of, a way to sort of break into, well, how, you know, how do different fruits complement each other with hops on top that also complement those fruits? So finding pairings and then like sort of exploiting the, the, the best parts of those pairings with, with hops that, that further punch those notes. Right. Um, and like, we'll be, we'll, well, I'm aiming to do a plum and lychee one 
what I've always wanted to do lychee. I haven't done it yet, but like, I love, there are certain, certain fruits where I'm like, Oh man, that combination sounds so good. Like lychee and plum. That sounds like, that sounds like a good sake cocktail you know? <laughs> <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> I've never even heard of those two in the same sentence. That's amazing. So is that the aim you've been combining fruits that are kind of like less common? I mean, when I say less common, the, the combinations are less common. Mm. I mean, like, it, it's not about being esoteric mm. about it. It's just about finding good combinations. Like, I'm happy to use two completely pedestrian fruits <laughs> if they combine well. Right. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. It doesn't have that, to be. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be fancy schmancy. It just has to has to work okay that makes complete sense i love that that's great that's fun too trying to figure out new um i mean there's one thing to figure out hot combination which is you know the thing that every brewer has to deal with but then making these fun fruit combos that's even cooler yeah i guess you're probably more limited because i imagine you use the aseptic purees so you've only got what they can sell. Um, yeah i mean we'll use We'll use aseptic purees, concentrates, um, and then even just like regular purees, depending, <laughs> it depends on where they come from and how long they get stored. But, um, but yeah, there is definitely um, a pretty significant limitation there in terms of availability. Okay. And then even like time of year will have a big impact on that too, right? True, particularly here in Canada, seasonality is a big thing. Okay, yeah. that makes complete sense. So then on that note, speaking of the recipes, if people uh, have uh, seen on your cans, it does say full recipe at halobrewery.com. And that is something that yeah. um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, probably the first time I ever heard of a brewery putting their recipes online was you guys a few years back. Um, tell me where that idea came from, what the intent behind that is, and what's, it's, it's super unique. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so uh, it orig originally comes from actually the software world. Um, in software, basically it's called open source, but you release your code to the world and um, in a sense, you're giving back to the community. You're sort of showing people the guts of your creation. Um, and you're also opening yourself up to not only, uh, you know, people copying and mimicking the work and building on it, but also criticizing it and helping you improve upon it. Hmm. So all of those ideas are things that I wanted to sort of replicate outside of, you know, my original career as a programmer, software engineer, um, in the brewing world, because basically like as a home brewer, all of our, all of the information that, that I got while I was developing recipes as a home brewer came from other people. It came from reading, you know, online articles, forums, books from a lot of free books, a lot of free online stuff um, that people just openly shared. Um, there's just so much 
sharing out there that, you know, you, you stand on the shoulders of giants. That's how science works. Everybody, you know, we don't get somewhere without building off what other people have done. Um, and so I really wanted to, yeah, um, punch that point um, with our sharing of the recipes or sharing of, you know, elements of our process online. Love that. Had you seen it anywhere else or was it just like an idea that was strictly from your software days? Um, like I've seen bits and pieces here and there, like, like people have shared, I think, gosh, I, I can't actually list like any breweries off the top of my head. Neither can um, I. Yeah. <laughs> it's so rare. Yeah. It's pretty rare. I've seen like more details than other places. Like, not instead of just listing malt, hops, yeah. yeast, water, right. <laughs> like, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> like we know, bro. That's, that's useful. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't even have to put that on the can legally, no. you know, like <laughs> why are you even doing it? Yeah. Like, I didn't useful. know this. I thought it was legal because everybody does that. Okay. No. <laughs> that's hilarious. No. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's, so the, there's not a lot out there. Right. So it's a pretty <laughs> I like, I mean, it would be kind of cool, man. I mean, I guess, like you said, I didn't think of it like that from the perspective of giving back, particularly being your home brewer. Um, you know, you came from that world. Like even when when I've done like, 20 home brews, not many, with my friends. And like we would go online to like homebrew talk forum or whatever. And you Google, yep. like, I want to make a clone of this or something on that line. Then you find out what the, ah, they use this. All right, cool. And you go to the shop and blah, blah, blah. Like, that stuff is, like, incredibly helpful, if not, like, essential for home brewers, particularly when yeah, you, move, absolutely. You, know, you move to all grain from the, uh, the kits yeah. or whatever. So for you to be able to do that, I mean, I, why, do, why do you think that other breweries don't do it is probably really the question. Ah, man. Well, for one, you know, doing it is not, it it takes my time, right? Like there is data entry involved. I did like, as a programmer, I was able to throw together the back end of that website and it's unique. It's, it's custom built so that I can easily enter that data and then have it show up in a comprehensive pretty manner right um and you know like i think a lot of a lot of breweries aren't that isn't their mo that isn't sort of what they set out to do so they don't put the money into it they don't you know put the time into it or they don't have the expertise to put all that together and they aren't willing to spend the money and the resources to do that right Uh, and that makes total sense and i get it um, I mean, it doesn't stop you from listing all the ingredients in like straight up text, right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, like excusing that, um, maybe another reason might be that people think that that is proprietary information. Um, and you know, people are entitled to that opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like they're, that is a whole other podcast <laughs> that that topic of um, 
copyright and rights, uh, intellectual property, uh, like it's and remixing and creative commons, all of that information and the way that it's uh, remingled in society. That it, that's a big topic. Yeah, it is a big topic. <laughs> um, I, I personally believe in the freedom of information and yeah, open information for the win. Okay. I, I don't know how, how else to put it. No, I love it. <laughs> but not everybody agrees. Right. I was actually about to ask you, did you, uh, I imagine now, like you've said that, did you, have you had, um, uh, let's just say negative is not really the word, but you maybe like, you know, people kind of telling you, hey man, like, what are you doing here? Like any, anyone was ever mad at you? Other, other breweries ever like, no. what are you doing? Like, or, no. or maybe no, just I've never had it. No? Okay. No. Did anyone ever push back as far as like other breweries? Did, did anyone ever question you is like what I mean? They were like, dude, what are you, what are you doing this for? Like, what's up? No, no, no. I mean like, no, no, no. I, I, I think like, I, I don't know. I've never had any of those sorts of things happen. No. Okay. That's good. <laughs> just cause I was, I just wondered yeah. because you're right about the um, proprietary thing. I imagine that um, whilst beer is, is a strange world because everyone is so open period. Like they'll, if you, I, I'm sure you know better than anyone. I just know because people have told me in these interviews, but people have been like, yeah, if I, Using this new yeast, I'll call the brewery down the road. That I, you know, they'll be like, "Hey, like, I'll ask him. Hey, have you used this before? Yeah, I have." Like, and they'll tell you about it. And like, yo, I need some Galaxy. You got any real quick? I'll, I'll hit you back or whatever. You know, things like that. Everyone helps each other out, and they're quite sort of open. But but putting those recipes public with all of those details um, mm-hmm. is just because it's so uncommon. I was just was wondering if anyone had ever pushed back on it. Aside from the resources, like I can't really see any other reason for people not doing that unless there's like a technique that they don't want to disclose that, you know, they feel like they don't want to share or whatever. Um, sure. Yeah. I, it's, this isn't like the secret formula to Coca-Cola or something, right? Like it's, it's really not. And, and that's like, that was like the first thing any, when like we, I was raising money for Halo, it's like the first thing investors would be like, oh, but like Coke would never give away their secret risk. It's like, this is not like that. Yeah. Like brewing is way more of a process than it is the ingredients. Mm. I, I like would like, please hold me to saying that because like right. brewing is so much more process. Um, the equipment you have the dynamics of it um, and then also like the step-by-step process you take and sort of the technology within that process that you develop is what defines your beer ultimately. Sure, the ingredients play an important role, undoubtedly. Um, They're super important. But even within that, there's terroir and all of these other details that you're not gonna capture by just listing the word galaxy hops or centennial or bohemian pilsner malt or whatever right like what year was it i don't like (laughs) what you know um which lot was it from 
Um, you could go into all kinds of detail and like sure information's lost in that process, but it, it's, it's not about, it's not about providing everything straight down to the, the molecule. It's just about providing people with frameworks to work from. Like, mm. like this is what a professional brewer is doing in order to make a pale ale, a dry hop pale ale. Like you can copy this and you can get like a good foothold so that you can start adding your own flourishes and figuring out your own process from this blueprint. Right. It's like, a, I, I don't see why it, it would be a big deal to people because like, there's just so much specific, specific stuff like that happens within the brick and mortar brewery within halo that is vastly different. I'm sure process wise from, another brewery on the other side of the city who the hell knows let alone home yeah 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 i guess you're right so you're really approaching it as you you putting those recipes up is no different to a homebrew forum really right it's kind of just like this is the malts we use this is the do you put down the process like do you put anything or it's literally like 25 percent this small 25 blah, blah, blah. like what's the i haven't actually looked at them but there's a there's a, a tiny bit of process like we we have sort of a it's a flow mm. from top to bottom from the mash all the way through to the fermenter and packaging um okay. and it just sort of shows yeah like where the dry hop happened how many days like stuff like that it doesn't go into like crazy detail like we don't talk about for example recirculation of dry hops and our process around that Um, because not every home brewer has a method of recirculating dry hops i know i certainly didn't as a home brewer my method was shake the carboy hard (laughs) real hard (laughs) yeah so it's more just, of a uh, just twirl it around, <laughs> just kick it on the floor a bit. Yeah. So it was more of a practical sense as opposed to not wanting to share it. It was like you coming from a you know mind state of like that was me. That's how I got here. I couldn't do it. It's useless information for them. Just no, no, you know, no need to put that in there. Yeah, or if you know people have questions about that, just email me. Right, and you're like, telling me. I, okay. I answer emails about it all the time. I'm happy to fence questions. Like it's, it's, um, yeah. Like the thing is like our, our processes around certain things within our brewery are specific to our brewery. And I don't think they're really going to help home brewers too much. Um, and I think like there is, there's something to be said about home brewers sort of figuring out their own processes too. Like, I don't know how to advise the perfect way to <laughs> dry hop whatever vessel you're using for, <laughs> for your beer. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it is so specific and it's kind of tough. You are right. Um, it's just cool, man. It's just such a, it's like just a unique little aspect of, uh, of what you guys are doing. It's, you know, small and insignificant to most people, but for the homebrewers, I'm sure it probably means quite a lot because it's like, man, like this shapeshift is crazy. How does he get this buddy or what is he using? And then you're like, oh, it's right there. It's on the website. At least you get a starting point. Like they said, now that you know, 
if any homebrewers are watching this, you know, they, they know that they can reach out to you if, um, you know, if they yeah. have deep, more detailed yeah. questions that aren't answered. And uh, I can imagine that being a, a helpful resource because it's sort of like, I don't know, without really like, I didn't get super deep into it, but I found it all often quite confusing. I'm not a science guy or anything. So I'm like, the, you know, mm. I did, and I also didn't realize the importance of the, um, uh, the like the, the volumes of everything. I remember like one of the last home brews we did, we were trying to make an amber Christmas ale. This is long, like seven years ago when somebody would make an amber Christmas ale. And um, I think they, we just got too much dark malt. And you're like, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it, chuck it in. And it ended up being <laughs> yeah. a, basically a porter or something. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you really have to stick to these, you know, the uh, actual oh, yeah, the percentages. <laughs> yeah, like it was, it's really serious. And obviously now I understand yeah. that, but like I'm not completely over. I'm not interested in any of that shit in shape or form. It's way too messy for home. You need like a space, like a little room in Kensington perhaps to, to, to do that yeah. that's clean and has all the stuff. But um, yeah, I can see that being super valuable and I, I don't recall that ever. It was literally just those homebrew forums. So yeah, man, good on you for doing that. I think it's dope. You know, I'm sure if you're helping out other people that could be, you know, future brewery uh, owners, you know, because the, I mean, I, I hope so. imagine you would have, you know, um, did you want to go to the next one? I'm, uh, I mean, just crushing this. This is just great. Yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> what would you uh, like? It's up to you, sir. So we have. Um, the- let's, let's move on to something slightly more. Fancy in a bottle. <laughs> okay. I'm here for it. I put the ones in the fridge. Fancy, and fancy in a bottle. Um, I think there was a red one and a green one, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So there's the Tokyo Rose and the Chroma Key. Yes. Which correct. one would you prefer? Uh, Chroma Key was the Key Lime, I believe. Is that right? Which is a, yep. uh, a fruited farmhouse. It's, is that right? Yep. Uh, Sour Brett Saison. Sour Brett Saison? Key Lime. And the Tokyo Rose was hibiscus. Uh, rose hips, which rose are hips, the, the, yeah, the fruit of the hibiscus flower. Yeah. Ah, yo, I had no idea. Okay. <laughs> so the lime or that, I kind of feel on the lime. The lime just feels like bright and refreshing. How do you feel about the lime? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I love sure. It. Could you get me the green bottle from behind the water in the fridge? Thank you so much. Um, tell us about these ones, man. I, I don't even know if I've had any of uh, these before. So the chroma key is called. Chroma key, key lime. So it's a uh, 5.8% uh, farmhouse yeah. on Brett. Um, yeah. So, um, so the chroma key series is, it's basically, they're all, they're all like a, the same base beer okay. um, and then we'll play with basically scaling it in different ways and adding different fruits. So that's why it's called chroma key, right? Ah, okay. Um, sure chroma key being, yeah, like a green screen. Yo, I never put that together. Of course that's what it is. That's sick. Is that the same, is that the same uh, color? As um, a green screen, yeah, uh, it's 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 the halo green. So I I don't know if it's the same color as. I feel like it's pretty close. All that is, is it, it is it does look close. So you've got a whole uh, series of chroma key though, right? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Cool. So this was the, is this like one of the OG ones? Cause it's the green one. Um, it would have been one of the first that we did. One of the first? Yeah. Are you going to put it there? Okay. I'm going to pull this up here. Look at that, mate. So farmhouse is something that I've noticed. I mean, I'm here in Montreal. This is like farmhouse city out here. Um, I feel like in Ontario, it's for the most part not as common here. What made you want to do um, like, you know, fruited Brett farmhouse? Oh, that smells amazing. Like what made you want to do something like this in a, in a place where it's um, – not quite as common. Um, I so towards the end of home brewing, I started getting like really heavy into um, sour, funky Amer American sour beers, basically. Um, so I started just like my carboy collection multiplied, and I just had just like different. Like, like, just buy up white labs, like different packets of Pediococcus, Britannomyces, um, and just start throwing them in at different rates and lactobacillus into these carboys. And then also start collecting bottle drags from the bars I go to. I would go to a bar with a, with a spray bottle of sanitizer and, and a light and a lighter. And I would like light the rim bottle and pour it into like a small Erlenmeyer flask and like take it home with me. I was, I was obsessed with capturing, um, the drags from various bottles of beers that I loved from breweries that I knew had good cultures. Thank you. That is so, dude, that is like next level. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah i mean like yeah it, it was like i said it's the rabbit hole it just keeps going <laughs> it keeps going you just want to yeah you just want to keep learning more and exploring more of that space um but like i would i would take contian drags like russian river like and and like their sanctification or whatever um yes, I love that. but um just so many like different uh, barrel aged or spontaneous beers and just take the dregs and pitch it into a carboy with some more standard stuff right. and just see how it panned out over the course of months to a year. Right. And um, what ended up happening was uh, I started culling and finding like the best stuff out of those carboys. Okay. And then isolating those and then sending the basically the, the slurry from that off to escarpment labs. And then they isolated, they isolated the strains from them uh, and sent us a bunch of vials with isolated strains. And then we sort of mixed and matched. And then that became our Britannomyces culture. <laughs> so it's basically a mix of is it so it's the cantillon or it's a bit of a mix of everything of the um the there might there might be some cantillon in there um or a Britannomyces strain from a cantillon there might be one from who knows where like really like I'd have to look through so many notes to find out the exact origins of half of these things that's right amazing. but um that's so but cool. yeah there are a few 
quite a few strains in there at this that is, point. That is extra cool though. That's once again, dedicated over and above. This is phenomenal. It's just like <laughs> so bright. It's exactly what I felt like. I'm glad to choose this one. Um, yeah, five, there's no sugar left in this. <laughs> no, nothing. It's, it's dry as a bone. <laughs> yeah. Hella dry. Um, I'm getting that bright, the bright key lime notes on the nose. Um, yeah. Super dry body I'm feeling as well. Like there's a lot of um, like dryness up front, which I imagine is from the oh, bright. Yeah, the, also from the citrus, from the oh, lime. Okay. There's yeah. like, yeah, the lime complements the bread really well. There's, there's a cherry, a bit of a sort of funky cherryness from, okay. from our bread. So it, I'm getting that. it merges with the lime and does wonders. It, it's great. Oh, man. It's like refreshing. This is like, I'm so, like, I'm going to be honest, I'm not really a big Saison guy, but then you put bread in front of it and then fruit it. I'm like, all right, yeah. you got me. Um, it <laughs> yeah, it just works so well. Yeah. And the only reason I don't like Saison's that much was it's it comes back to what we talk about with Hefeweizen. And I don't like the um, the, uh, the 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 I guess the, the, clove. Banana, the clove and the banana. Yeah, the phenols. Yeah, the, the phenols. phenols, man. I'm just I'm not here for it. And I'm glad to know someone else isn't because I feel like I'm always the minority, and I never I don't want to be a hater or anything because I know there's great. You know, I love Hill Farmstead, and I have that stuff. I lose my mind. Um, yeah. But when I can get a, a yeah. good saison that like that's like this, and I, I imagine now, I guess I'm so slowly learning that it's the bread and, and the fruit that kind of really do it for me because it's I'm not getting anything at all about this um, that I typically don't like. It's got all the flavors that I do. I love you know. There's not barrel laser, right? It's just the no. no it's okay. just stainless, uh, and then beautiful aged for a while in the bottle. Mm. But um, yeah, it's like we. I chose our bread strains like with no phenols. Like I, I really don't like phenols in my bread. Um, at least nothing like overt, okay. you know, like a little, a little horsey wackiness here and there is okay. Hey, no you know, like, but, but like, please God, no band-aids and smoke or like, and yeah, band-aid, band-aid uh. is a big one. Oh, it's so gross. Or like oh. hospital floor, you know, like. <laughs> oh Yo, if I, I'm going to be smelling that now for sure. Now you've got to point that out. I never thought about that. Thank God this yeah. does not have that. Okay. So you've yeah. really like drilled that house strain down to sort of have those uh, flavors that, you know, you really exactly. like. Man, this is, yeah. this is great. Is this, uh, this whole series is essentially a, um, a series of, of the fruited saisons, Brett saisons. Yeah, try that. Um, and that have you've done like a million varieties of, uh, according to this here, the key lime, cherry, yep. plum, passion fruit, pineapple, Saskatoon berry, tangerine, blackberry, so on and so forth. I mean, like you've done a ton of them. Mm -hmm. This is is this something you key lime is my favorite. It is very sure. okay. So this I is good time. Wine, I this one. Mm. Yeah, the key lime just it, there's something about it. It just works so well with our bread. Yeah, it's. Man. By far the best one, I think. Oh, I love it. Um, Montreal Beer Page, see, what's up, bro? And he says, How do you enjoy brewing with Brett? I love drinking it, but I feel like it gets a bad rap. That rhymes. <laughs> yeah, man. I I don't mind it at all. It's it's certainly not as um, it's not as like 
straightforward as Saccharomyces, that's for sure. Um, like our Brett takes a while to, to chew through our beer okay. or through our wort, I should say. Um, like, like it needs a good, like two weeks, two okay. weeks to like do its primary. Um, I don't even, I don't even think about like doing something with it until two weeks is up. Okay. Um, and then usually past that it goes in conditions in a bright for another two weeks and then sits in bottles for another month, two months. Right. So it's a so, two to three month process for this bad boy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't like messing around with fast tracking saisons or yeah, or any of our bread stuff. Uh, so in that sense, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> but, uh, but since we only brew this stuff in like the, the fall, winter, um, it's not something we would ever brew in the summertime because we just don't have, we don't have the throughput, we don't have the, the capacity for it because <clears throat> we're brewing too quickly. But uh, when it comes time for like fall, winter, like, yeah, start, start getting this stuff yeah. going. Um, that makes sense. But yeah. I can pitch, man, that, I mean, that makes yeah. sense, but it's a shame because I can pitch you drinking this on a hot day outside. I mean, you know, just chill. Well, we have, yeah, we, we build up a store of it over the fall and winter. And then, you know, we try and keep it available as long as we can over the course of the summer. That's so, cool. Yeah. And I did see, to be honest, when I uh, got the box, I was like, because uh, I didn't have a ton of room in the fridge for bottles. That's why I was asking on email, like, what should I put in to keep? Obviously, put the cans in immediately, um, but the bottles, not as much. And I love it. It says 2020, age as well. And I was like, all right, sweet and good. So that means you can sit on yeah. it for a bit, you know, for anybody who's able oh, yeah. to get them. Like, what you probably should be doing is grabbing a bunch of them now sitting on some of those bad boys for uh when may june rolls around you're going to be you know hitting that 20 25 degrees get that but i can this is just it's like the perfect patio dream right here man. but i can see why yeah oh. yeah um i mean any of our saisons i would say after a year they're at their best like Who's give shooting? them one year okay one should year I, hang from, I should do that yeah from release so, okay so this one would have been uh, released last year, like a, a few months back? Yeah, it, says it was just at the end of last year. Okay. It's the yeah. end of last Okay, I think I have a second one if I'm not mistaken, so I will uh, I'll sit on that. That's good to know because I'm always worried, man, about like, I imagine like yourself, you know, doing what I do, I come, in, come into a reasonable amount of beer and sometimes things get, like lost in the shuffle and such like that. And I, I never want anything yep. to die just because it's, you know, I'm always concerned right. about how long things should uh, age, but that's really interesting to hear um, that, that specifically that you, the creator of this bad boy, are telling me that it needs a year, then God damn it, I'll give it a year. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't need it, but it's at <laughs> its best. It's at yeah. its best. Like, like, <laughs> If, if I had the choice, economically speaking, I would just have infinite storage space and keep these all for a year before releasing them. <laughs> okay. That's just not humanly <laughs> possible. 
people. Right. That's not that's not within the realm of economic possibility. So yes, there's, there's still yes. good beers. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, may I ask what um, makes it better after yeah. a year? Like what what is the what's the difference oh, between man. what we're drinking right now and the year? It's uh, like it's it's kind of like um, it softens out the edges. Like it it mm. just. It adds subtlety, softness, and nuance. I, I don't know how else to say it. It's just like yeah, that makes sense. There's more funkier, like the mouthfeel is. It's more. It's it just lands on the tongue nicer. I don't know. It's it's less sharp. Okay. <laughs> I keep saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to describe. It's it's just yeah. It's a nicer <laughs> beer. <laughs> Man, I'm sold. Okay. No, I love it. I'm always curious though because, you know, some, you know, you never know because maybe there's like a time, uh, with just with the aging, like I was saying, like it always confuses me sometimes. You like you leave things in. I've had some people tell me when there's, I guess the reason I'm asking, my friend works at Bellwoods and he's always, yeah, I had some like skeleton keys from like 2017 and he yelled at me. He's like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. Why haven't you had them yet? I'm like, I don't know. I just haven't like. Today. I don't, I'm sorry. And he's like, yo, they're all, they're all going to drop that flavor out. I'm like, I guess it's been four years, so whatever, coming up on. Right. But, and then the yeah. reason why I was, I don't know, maybe since he always told me that, it kind of always got me shook about keeping things for too long. So I was like, okay, well, this has got like a fruit in it. And my immediate gut reaction, oh, if it's got fruit in it, you should probably have that sooner than later, which is hence my uh, sort of like, sure. okay, well, what would I do there? So is there like a, a, a high end limit then on the other side? So if it's perfect around a year, is it like, don't, don't keep it after three years or something like that? Oh yeah. There's, it's definitely um, an upside down parabola. <laughs> there's, it's, you know, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's a curve <laughs> and it falls off. Um, <laughs> but like it really, so for these beers, um, first of all, it depends on the fruit. Um, certain fruits will age better than other fruits. Um, the, the lime, I've never seen the lime disappear. The lime is always there. It's amazing. Like, it's just like, it doesn't age out. It's just an awesome fruit in that sense. It's very persistent. Um, most of the fruits for the chroma keys, like after a year, most of it's gone. Like it's, it's pretty, but the beer becomes very interesting too. So it's, it depends on what you want out of it. If you want to taste the fruit, then drink it earlier. If you are more after the like Brett or, you know, microorganism forward characteristics, then wait and, you know, see how it turns out. It'll get better, um, but it'll get better in very different ways uh, that are usually not fruit forward. Gotcha. Okay, so the optimal situation really is to buy like four of them at least and have one every three months or something so you can see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. That, Why not, right? Certainly would work. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's actually <laughs> the coolest. Spread. Yeah. I always had people like sometimes I sat on beers and I didn't mean to. And I've heard other people say to me, oh, you, you buy, I always get two of everything that you plan to sell and you have one fresh. And then you sit on one so you know what the difference is. Otherwise, it's sort of like, yeah. I mean, look, who is even, maybe you might not remember. I might not remember what it tasted like now if I do sit on the other one for a year. Like, 
who even knows? So I feel like it would, I mean, obviously not everyone maybe not has the budget or physical space or whatever, but you know, to, to try something like that every few months, particularly you know, a nuance beer like this that would change so much. It's part of the fun mm-hmm. stuff of beer, I guess, right? To, to watch it change. And, oh yeah. You know, see it, see how it goes. Um, on that note, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, made sure we got in here this evening, is just your, your labels and all your artwork. It's just, uh, it's super interesting. It's just like geometric shapes and um, wicked, like, yeah. I mean, there's like that metallic shiny label. I don't know why. I feel like <laughs> just this aesthetic is so important, you know, branding in beer. And um, even my girlfriend, who's our producer, she was like, yeah, they look like specifically the first thing she said was that they look sick. Um, Tell us about the, the the branding, man. Like, how did that come about? What's the deal? It's just it's super unique. It's just it's just very cool. Yeah. Um, so, Underline Studios does our branding. Okay. Um, they their office is right above the brewery, so mm-hmm. very close, very, very convenient. convenient. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, and they're awesome. They do obviously fantastic work. Um, Really like so. There's there's a very long story here, um, okay. and it starts back in home brewing land when, uh, in the early days, like the brand was a totally different brand. So we rebranded about two three years in okay. Halo um, into professional Halo, um, but originally it was like it was more like. Uh, a homespun brand. Um, and what we were finding with that original brand was that it just wasn't scaling the way we wanted it to. It wasn't sort of standing out the way other brands were. Um, and so, you know, we approached um, Underline and they sort of gave us a set of options. And, and this one, this this sort of direction appealed the most. Um, the direction was like hard geometric, um, what I would describe as like a mix of Bauhaus and Distill, uh, which is like, they're like German, Austrian sort of styles, like think like 60s, 50s Olympics posters. Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> How else to put it? Um, but like, there are some gradients, um, but they're very contained. Uh, it is very highly line and shape focused. Um, little in terms of organic shapes, very much more in terms of angular geometric shapes. Yeah, it's. Um, it, I personally love like. I'm, I'm very minimalist. I'm very like, I love my geometry. I'm just, I'm wearing geometry. <laughs> like, like, I was going to say, is that, a, is that merch? Uh, no, no, no. This is just a, just a, a shirt I found online. <laughs> <laughs> it's even more gangster. Um, You're dedicated to it. Yeah, no, I, I love, um, like I, I was, as a programmer, I was very into computer graphics. I did like, I built 3d engines and stuff like that. Like I I just love, I love, uh, geometry. What can I say? (laughs) Shapes. (laughs) So you were pretty happy when they, (laughs) when they came to Um, you with this idea, you were like, Oh, that's the one. 
Yeah, yeah, it stood out as the right choice out of the ones they gave, and I was just like, yeah, that's that's for sure it. Um, and then sort of matching it to the different brands has been, it's been a fun pastime. Like, like every time a new, every time a brand graduates from, so we have a set of generic labels for when we're sort of experimenting and playing around with recipes and then releasing them. Uh, but like when we feel like brand is ready to graduate to like, yes, this is something we're going to brew again ongoing um you know i'll send an email to underline and do like a full brief and say you know this was the inspiration for why it's named this like here are all the ideas surrounding that like let's and then then we kind of like there's a back and forth where we figure out <laughs> what this looks like like they'll 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 go away and come back with a design and then we'll we'll talk amongst ourselves iterate and iterate and iterate and you know it results in some pretty cool stuff that i'm really happy with that's great man it's super signature i feel like it it stands out you know in if you saw it on the shelf um anywhere it, it definitely stands out as far as like and that's really what you can ask for these days particularly in such a you know yeah. crowded crowded little scene yeah Anyway, for sure. Um, the fact that it stands out, and it's actually even cooler because, like, you, I don't know, maybe I'm not a design guy. I'm just looking at it. I'm just like, ah, there's got to be like finite things you could do with shapes in you know, all these different beer brands. But I guess it's kind of actually mm-hmm. the opposite of that. Like, it's you can do anything. You can do a lot. <laughs> you can just keep yeah. changing them forever and ever. Like, even just these three alone are so vastly different. Um, mm-hmm. That they're like. It's, it's actually kind of trippy. It's really cool. Do you do you do much with these on it, with different designs and stuff, or is it like yeah? We have uh, we have some T-shirts. We have um, we have a glass with our anniversary design on it, which is sort of like a spiral kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like our merch is, and then we have some posters. Um, that was what I was about to say. Posters. This screams poster to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like super post art. I mean, I'm, this is really cool. I feel like beer branding, particularly in 2021, is, is super important. It's something that, mm-hmm. I mean, as you, you know, coming up in beer in Ontario, it was pretty shitty back in the day, back in uh, you know, 2011 or so. There's, everything sucked. Everything yeah. was terrible. Here in Quebec, I moved here after that, but things were horrible. And now in, in the, you know, both provinces, I really feel like it's been cool to see some of the Old, more old school brands, you know, rebrand and, and sort of change their stuff up, and and it looks so, super cool. And then you know, guys like yourself who've been around a decent amount of time, like five, six years, I guess now. This would be five years, five year, wouldn't yeah. it? Um, yep. You know, even you guys switched it up a couple of years in. It's just it's cool. I think it's just like a part of the experience that elevated experience of craft beer that's more expensive because the beers have more thought and more expensive ingredients. You know. Um, going into it yeah. and you want that visual aesthetic to, to be a part of it. I want to pick up this, you know, really nice bottle with a cool cap. Even the cap is dope with the actual little halo on it. If that, uh, <laughs> that works, which is super cool. Um, yeah. You know, which is interesting because this isn't anywhere else in your labels from what I could tell. 
Nope, it's no. its own asset. It's own little thing, which is great because it's uh, mad specific to the uh, to just to the bottle caps and just you know looking at this, I'm like wow, it looks it feels like an experience drinking mm-hmm. it, which I guess is what people you know really want from it. So I always appreciate that you know effort yeah. in binding and design, man. It's great. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I love it. Um, No, it's super cool. So as far as like the other stuff that people, like, so basically the main sort of styles you guys are doing, I mean, doing the haze, doing the the, the shapeshifts, like the sour IPAs, you're doing this type of uh, farmhouse bread stuff. You've got the stout series. Is that the main type of stuff that you're making or is there any other? Pretty Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to like break into the like the big stouts more like um we released our first imperial stout last year nice. uh, with Fallen Empire um which is like a Mayan style or like Mexican style imperial stout I don't know what what the kids are calling it these days <laughs> <laughs> that's Mexican imperial stout I think is generally the the like with peppers term. and stuff. Yeah, peppers yeah. And chocolate. It's got peppers, chocolate, vanilla, lactose, the whole, the whole everything. <laughs> Love it, Daddy. Yeah, went all in. But um, but like I really there's there's definitely there are some styles in there that are just so good. Like if they're done right, mm-hmm. like you can make. A, a 10 to 12 percent imperial stout that is almost as drinkable as an ipa like it is nuts if you do it right um and i really want to hit the point like those points with with these beers at some point <laughs> there's a lot of points <laughs> um but uh but um yeah like i've just i've been to some breweries where it's like wow like I could sit here and continue drinking this, but I really shouldn't. Like right. it's, it's really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the direction that would that maybe you'd like to go into a bit more this year and, and moving forward. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Would that would um, you Yeah, go on, please go. Oh, uh, we'll we'll be releasing another Fallen Empire this year and like I've iterated on the recipe again. I'm just like, I, I was fairly happy with the first landing, which like our first Imperial state, I was pretty happy with, but like um, the second iteration, I think will be even better. It'll just keep getting better. Um, and then probably, I don't know, play around with maybe a different brand in that direction somewhere, maybe like more in a Porter direction or something like that. Nice. I really like those those styles, those big, chewy, monstrous stout stouts are uh, pretty good. It's the middle ground I'm not very interested in. Right. I don't know, like the, the lower ABV stouts. Eh, I don't really so, care yeah. about them. Man, not my thing. Yeah, man, that's <laughs> I, I totally understand. I I think I would probably rather have a uh, you know ten percent stout than a five as well. Like it's cool, but I yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have less of a big one than a pint of a, a smaller one too. I, I feel you. Are you doing barrel aid stuff or is this straight up and down? Yes. 
Yes. Um, so this year we'll be releasing some of our first barrel aged beers, nice. which I'm super excited about. Um, and actually that's been occupying a lot of my time over the last month or so. Um, just figuring out all the logistics because that's a whole new thing, really. Um, we've been aging beer uh, like like a fairly fairly simple sort of lambic base in a set of uh, 500 liter punchins for the last two years nice. or a year to two years. Um, and so the plan is been tasting them often and assessing them and they're they're getting ready they're very close to ready um, and blending them with the right fruits and making sure we have the branding to accompany it creating a whole new sub brand for it um, having the website accommodated to show that information as part of the recipe all of those things have been occupying my time so that's sort of the next big step that it's taking up my mind space. <laughs> I love it though. I mean, that's super cool. Is that something that people can expect this year? Yeah. 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 Wow. So there's a bunch. So you got more big imperial stouts, the uh, first barrel is like Lambic style. Mm -hmm. That's some serious shit. I love it. Yeah, that's super yeah. cool. I mean, that, that's, that feels, both of those feel like a nice organic extension to the lineup, the way, you know, the way the type of stuff you guys are doing. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that aligns for sure. <laughs> no, it's cool. Like, I feel like the only other thing that could be cool for you guys would be like a, a pills or something. But like we were saying, let's sit down the track to do the space. Yeah, we need another space. <laughs> yeah. Are you have you looked? Are you considering that, or have you looked at that, or is it sort of not really on the cards just yet? It's yeah. It's just like I don't. I don't want to expand in the direction of volume. I want to expand in the direction of quality. Mm. <laughs> like. I don't think the two are not necessarily mutually exclusive. Let me set that straight. But yeah. like, I think that when resources are limited, you do have to sort of choose how you want to go about things. Um, I don't want a monstrous production brewery for Halo. That's not the direction I want. Um, I think it's just uh, like, I can't even imagine what being in um covid land would have been like if you were a bigger brewery it would have been uh, like it's a whole other lifestyle like and stress level that um i'm not really interested in i didn't get into this to like just manage people or just handle scaling and the business side of things and like i do like having uh a good idea of the whole scope of the corporation or, or the business, you know, and, but also not just focusing on the business. Like I want to be a maker for first and a businessman second, like that's, you know, like, or not at all. <laughs> um, so, so like, I think getting back to the original question, the, the, the next step would be more in the, the direction of like a barrel room or okay. a place where there could be one barrel aging and to eventually space for like spontaneous fermentation. 
like cool shit, cool shit. Yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. And then having like a, a, a dining slash sitting area where you could see all of those aging vessels and, you know, get the full sense of like sitting in like an underground cellar. Like that would be the yeah. coolest thing. I want that vibe someday in a place that is Halo. Um, but yeah, <laughs> On the someday. Way. Yeah. Hey man, like you move in the in the right direction. Obviously, you know you guys. It, it's not easy to to keep something you know, a brewery growing and going in uh, in Ontario specifically. In the last few years, is when it's like you know really ramped up with the competition. So that already says a lot. And then in the last twelve months, when shit hit the fan and everything's been crazy, to be able to maintain yeah. that, you know, obviously like all of those growth plans for everybody for the most part. Uh, you know, pulling the backbone though. There's not really yes. much anybody sure. can do at this point. It's all about just keeping it going, keeping the roof, you know, the roof above the heads and the lights on and keeping things going. But uh, man, I can see, you know, when the, when we get to the light at the end of this nonsense, that could be, uh, mm-hmm. that's cool. I love it, man. I like, I like those aspirations. I can, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, I, I love it. I'm just super impressed. I'm super impressed with everything. It's fantastic. I always have been. <laughs> in the few that I have had. So now I get to talk to you and get the story. This is great. This is, uh, I feel like I closed the circle a little bit. <laughs> now, I really appreciate your time, dude. This is awesome, dude. Um, where yeah, can everybody find uh, Halo online? Um, at halobrewery.com. Um, yeah. Or if you have specific questions about homebrewing or whatever, you can email us at info at halobrewery.com and uh yeah we'll get back to you yeah i love it instagram is halo brewery instagram at halo brewery i believe facebook's uh, the same yeah yeah yeah. and twitter all the same very very well done uh we actually don't do twitter (laughs) i swear i tagged you maybe i did it i mean we have we have a twitter account we just don't use it um it's good to have it sort of yeah, yeah, we'll keep it, but I'll try and avoid Twitter. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> I feel you. No, it's it's a it's a it's an interesting world. It's my favorite network, but it's like you gotta yeah. customize it to how you want it. And it's interesting because I mean, I'm out here in Quebec, and obviously my girlfriend's from Toronto, and my brother lives in Toronto, so I'm like, I'm before the pandemic, we were there every month, every other month. So I'm super familiar with how both provinces kind of got one foot in each. Toronto or Ontario is all about beer Twitter. That's where a lot of the action happens. But here in Quebec, it's like I would say 90, 80% of the breweries don't even have a Twitter account for us to tag them when we're posting this stuff. It's like they, they, they're into Facebook. It's straight Facebook. It's very interesting. However, or, yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Instagram, Instagram everywhere is there. But the community yeah. – where people talk and bitch about things and the drama happens or whatever. In Quebec, it's primarily yeah. Facebook. In Ontario, it's primarily Twitter. There's that Canada Crafts Club, whatever it's called, the Facebook group where a lot of Ontario folks find themselves. I know, yeah. You know the yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. We can all roll our eyes at these guys. Um, but, yeah, it's just so funny to me because we also own a social media agency, so we're also super passionate about, like, everybody just, just have, the, have the name and you can just sync everything from Instagram and stuff, but just to keep that, that presence so that people can tag you and discover you 
even if you're just sharing the other stuff you're doing elsewhere, just to have it. So I would encourage you to keep it, but just you don't have to do too much, you know. Just so it's there. Because <laughs> right. I like, tell the Quebec yeah. dudes, like, just let me tag you. I can't even tag you. What if the Ontario people that are following us are more because there's hardly any Quebec people on Twitter in the beer world? What if they see the post, but then they can't go and find you when they see it? They're like, ah, oh, it's too hard. I'm not going to go search for them on Instagram and then lost opportunity because they might want to, although True. people aren't, you know what I'm saying? I just feel, it's those small yeah. things. It's just like every opportunity, frictionless, make people, uh, I don't want to preach social media at you, but yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting way to do it, but you guys are everywhere, which is good, <laughs> which I appreciate. Do you know what we need to do? We need to do the thumbnail for YouTube. I do it while we're live. So basically, you want to hold up. Uh, I'm just gonna take a, basically a screenshot. Um, you want to hold up a, a candle, a bottle, or something? There we go. Oh yeah, pull that in there. Get that fresh. Yes. Look at it. It's gorgeous. Yeah, get it all in there. All right. There we go. Ready? <laughs> Got it. Beautiful. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up. Stick around on the, on the call until the end. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up probably. But, uh, Callum, appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for hanging out. This has been uh, genuinely awesome. It's great to hear the story. Be is a phenomenal. You're a champion. Um, appreciate you. Everybody, thank you for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below. Hit the notification bell so you know when the new new drops. Follow us on social media at BAOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio so you can hear legendary individuals like Callum talking about craft beer. Every week we'll be back. We're actually going to double episode next week, Thursday, 9 p.m., Friday, 9 p.m. Tune in. Guys, we'll see you in the next episode. Cheers.